Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Weirdos, welcome to episode number 116 of History for Weirdos. Yay, always happy to be here. Always happy to be here, and I know we're in the midst of a special month episode where we're, month of episodes, where we're going over like historical murders. Yes, the the month of murder special that I was not aware of until you told me. I kind of like sprung it on you yeah. because I was like, wait a minute. You did a murder. I did like a bunch of murders in ancient Rome. So this is it. This is it. So you can guess what today's episode is about. Wait, what is it going to be about? You'll see. Okay. Okay, (laughs) cool. Well, Stephanie, without further ado, why don't we just take it away? Just jump right in? Let's just jump right in. Okay. Then I'm going to take us to springtime in 1935 in the beautiful country of Australia. Oh, wow. Okay. So... That's where you are. Picture the scene. It's 1935, Australia. It's beautiful. It's sunny. It's warm. The world's in a little bit of a shit show, but... It's true. (laughs) That's okay. For this episode, it's also a bit of a shit show. (laughs) Excellent. So on April 17th of that year, a couple of fishermen go out and they're looking for an aquatic creature to bring back to the local aquarium, which had been struggling to attract visitors. Okay. And they trap a shark. Oh, wow. And they think this will be a great attraction at the aquarium. It's a shark after all. Yeah. Heck yes. And boy, were they right. Because let me tell you, the shark is at the aquarium. It's called the Kogi Aquarium. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's C-O-G-E-E. Australians, let me know if I said that wrong. The Kogi. The Kogi. And the shark is doing its thing swimming around it's getting visitors when it starts to act a little funky maybe like it might be sick they're not sure and then around 5 p.m on april 25th while spectators are marveling at this creature the shark vomits and out comes a human arm oh my god i knew exactly where this was like headed to and i'm still surprised can you imagine a family out like in 1935, dressed all dapper to go to the aquarium and they're watching the shark and it just vomits a human arm in front of you. Honestly, I can't. Uh, I mean, I can't even imagine that today. I know. Let alone in 1935, those families must have been going wild. Yes, that would have been quite a sight to see. Definitely people fainted. Oh, yes. The the demure ladies definitely fainted. Absolutely. Just like that too. (laughs) And that octave of voice. Yes. So the people were shocked, of course. But interestingly, back in 1935, a shark killing someone was actually pretty commonplace. There had been a recent wave of shark attacks causing havoc along the southeast coast. So when people saw this shark spit up a human arm, they were like, oh my God, that shark killed someone and ate someone right right um but 
They send the arm, nonetheless, to the local coroner for examination and to see if they could identify the victim. Of course. And per the coroner, it was estimated that the arm was in the shark's stomach for about 18 days. A long time. But here's where it gets wild. The coroner's examination also revealed that the arm showed no signs of being nibbled off by a shark or any other animal. It was cleanly cut with a knife. Yeah. And for the weirdos out there, sharks don't use knives. So, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> sharks do not use knives. This is why it is surprising. Not even in 1935. Wow. And they were more dapper back then. Yes. So that means that the owner of the arm was mutilated, most likely murdered, right? Oh my God. And as we're about to see, this shark vomiting up a human arm led not only to one, but two murder mysteries. Two murder mysteries? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. We, we have another double whammy here. Another double whammy. So let's talk about the investigation. As the investigation commences, the cops have one witness, the shark. <laughs> he doesn't speak English, does he? No. He can't really explain what happened. And then sadly, since he can't talk, they kill him. No! To open him up and see if there are more body parts inside. Oh, well, I kind of understand that, actually. I know, but it was still really sad. And they didn't find any more body parts inside the shark, but guess what they found? What? A smaller shark. Oh, no. Yeah, the shark had eaten a little shark, and they actually think that the arm had been inside the little shark. Oh, no wonder the shark was just like little green around the gills. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah, he had lots of stuff in his belly. So the next best thing that they have to go off of in the investigation is that on the arm in question, there is a distinct tattoo. Oh, and the tattoos were rare at this point in time. Yes. Yeah, not as commonplace as they are today for sure. Absolutely. The tattoo depicted two boxers facing each other, fist poised for a fight. And they were like, okay, this is our best shot at solving this mystery and identifying this body. Right, that's a pretty unique tattoo. Yeah, it is. So information about the shark vomit incident, as I call it. The shark vomit incident. And details about the distinct tattoo were released to the press. And, of course, everyone was talking about it at the time. And a man named Edwin Smith contacted the police, believing that the arm could belong to his brother, James, who who went by Jim and who had been missing for several weeks. Mm. James's wife, Gladys Smith, was called in. She agreed, looking at the arm, that she thought it belonged to her husband. And they were able to get some fingerprints that matched with James's. So they concluded that this arm belonged to Jim Smith. Oh my God. Okay. So Jim Smith, we don't know a ton about him. Um, I did try to find more information, but all I could find was that he was a 45-year-old English-born resident of Gladsville, Australia. And he had been a boxer in his youth. Hmm. Hence the tattoo. Right. That would make a lot of sense. And Smith managed a local billiards bar. And he had a history as both a criminal 
and a police informant. Of course. Well, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense, right? Usually the cops recruit former criminals yeah, to yeah. be informants. So he was... He was a snitch. <laughs> he was, oh, <laughs> I'm going to say it. I mean, <laughs> this is all starting to come together. Like, the pieces are starting to fit. I agree. He was known, actually, as the associate of a crooked local businessman named Reginald Holmes. Reginald Holmes, you say. As well as um, a man who used to be a soldier turned professional criminal named Patrick Brady. So you're going to want to remember those names, Holmes and Brady. Okay, so Reginald Holmes, Patrick Brady. Got Mm -hmm. it. So police found out that the last anyone had seen of Smith, Jim Smith, he had been drinking and playing cards with Patrick Brady at the Cecil Hotel in the southern Sydney suburb of Cronulla on April 7th, 1935, after telling his wife that he was going to go out fishing. This, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is uh this makes sense. So he was not fishing. The same day that these two men met, there was a cottage nearby rented out under Patrick Brady's name. Okay. And the owner of the cottage told police, like, yeah, he stayed here that night, and then the next when he checked out, the mattress and a tin trunk that were in the room went missing. So that's kind of odd. That's really suspect. The police quickly hypothesized that after going out and drinking, the two men went back to the cottage together and the cops thought that Brady must have murdered James, Jim Smith, Mm -hmm. and placed his body in the tin trunk. But they thought maybe he didn't fit in the tin trunk, so he cut off the arm to make it fit and then he just dumped the arm in the water right that's so stupid though where the you know and then the shark swallows it and then the shark swallows the shark with the arm in it (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot that has to happen i mean the chances of this are kind of incredible the chances of this arm resurfacing at all are insanely incredible right i feel like it's a lot of what's the word that they use when you're just kind of like a conjecture, right? Is that it? Mm-hmm. It's just conjecture. like a lot of guessing. Um, there's obviously not a ton of hard evidence, a lot of forensics going into this so far. Another little bit of evidence that the cops are going off of is that a taxi cab driver testified that on the day that officially like no one else saw Smith, um, this taxi driver had taken Brady to Mick. Mahon's point like um like a port Mm -hmm. where they're like oh maybe he was going there to dispose of the arm and the taxi driver said quote he was disheveled he had a hand in his pocket and he wouldn't take it out it was clear that he was frightened end quote okay this is so this is brady that's afraid this is Brady, the guy that Jim went drinking with that the cops think killed him. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, they search the areas by the cottage, including Port Hacking and Gunamata Bay, as well as McMahon's point where he went. So where the cottage was, the other place that he went to the next day, They had the Navy and the Air Force looking for additional remains and nothing 
was ever found. That's actually kind of wild. They had the, their air force going after this because at this point in time, the U.S. does not even have an air force. Mm. So the fact that they're using those planes—that's like a—that's a lot of resources. Yeah, like that they to just, try to solve this right, mm-hmm. and to come up empty-handed is something. It's very odd. Very odd for there to be and and I'll like spoil this. They the rest of this story they never find any other remains of Jim Smith. So the only is the only remain they found was the arm. The arm. That is quite peculiar. Yeah. It's also important to note that I mentioned earlier, Jim used to work with Reginald Holmes, right? Right. Holmes was a well-known boat building business guy. Boat building business guy. <laughs> Say that three times fast. Exactly. But he wasn't just your average boat building business guy. <laughs> He had, you will have said it three times fast by the yeah. end of this episode. <laughs> he had shady dealings in drug smuggling. Allegedly, I will say, because I don't know. I don't know this man. I didn't see the police reports myself. He would use his speedboats to transport drugs from ships passing through Sydney Harbor to sell in the city. Mm, it's a lucrative side hustle. Yeah. He's just a side hustle king, babe. You got you can't like drag him down for that. That's why I said allegedly. <laughs> allegedly holmes was also known for allegedly forgery and insurance scams okay so he had other side hustles and smith and brady were both known to have helped him in these scams okay so they're like thick as thieves these people are now connecting yes you see that you see that you see that (laughs) oh i see it babe so according to rumors, word on the street, Smith and Holmes had a falling out. Okay. People think it might have been that Hol- that Holmes found out that Smith was a police informant. Oh, yeah. That snitches get stitches. And that would give him motive for murder. Right. Right. So now we have Brady, who's a suspect because he's the last person seen with him. Mm-hmm. And... He has those kind of odd things of like the tin missing from the room and that he was acting strange. Right. And then Holmes, because it's possible that he wanted revenge for Smith snitching on him. So Holmes has the motive. um, Patrick Brady has like the weird circumstances, basically. At this point, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then on May 16th, the cops arrest Patrick Brady but they arrest him on forgery charges because they don't have enough evidence to get him for murder. They also bring in Holmes, I think voluntarily for initial questioning. And he denied even knowing Brady. Um, but he, I think admitted to knowing Smith. He's like, I don't know the other guy. I don't know what you're talking about. And then, so this is the 16th, right? Right. These two men are brought in. Nothing's very fruitful though. They don't get any more evidence. And then on the 20th, Holmes goes into his boat shed and he attempts to shoot himself in the head with a 32 caliber pistol. Wow. Okay. So he's having a lot of regret, I'm guessing, of something. Or he's scared. Or he's scared. He's backed feels, into a corner. Yeah. He feels there's no way out. Yeah. Okay. This is, yeah, this is getting really, really, really weird. Well, luckily for Holmes at the time, the bullet instead flattened against the bone of his forehead. 
Oh, he must have a really <laughs> big forehead then. That's coming from me. I got <laughs> a big forehead. Yeah. That's a thick, scold man. Thick. Thick. And it stunned him, right? So the he tries to shoot himself. It flattens against his big head. It stuns him. And then he falls into the water. And he drowns. No, oh, thank good. goodness he doesn't. The water revives him. And then he crawls into his speedboat, his 1935 speedboat, so I don't know how fast it goes, and he ends up <laughs> engaging in a police boat chase around Sydney Harbor for nearly four hours. Okay, Australian weirdos, if any of you guys have heard of the story, please let us know. I feel like as Americans, you guys are very similar to our Floridians, that you guys <laughs> go hard. You guys are really, you know, you're a rambunctious bunch. This is definitely rambunctious. I would say so. But to... Much respect. Yes. Respectfully, you're rambunctious. <laughs> yeah. But to almost die twice, right? You almost died of a bullet wound. You almost drowned. But to crawl into your speedboat and then the cops chase you around for four hours? That's wild. I mean... I. I don't even, I don't even, can't even begin to understand his thought process on this. I don't get it either. What does he want? <laughs> what do you want? What do you want? I know. So after the four hours, oh my God. the boat chase ends because he's caught and they're like, oh my God, are you okay? We have to take you to a hospital because he's wounded and he almost drowned. So he goes to hospital. Probably for the best. And after that ordeal, Holmes spilled the beans. Okay, finally. Okay. Well, this is Holmes's account, okay, I Holmes's will say. Account. Okay. Holmes's version of, of spilling the beans. He tells a detective named um, Sergeant Frank Matthews that Brady, the guy who rented the cottage that was out drinking with Smith, yeah. killed Smith and that he brought Holmes the severed arm. And he tried to blackmail him with it, threatening that he would kill him too oh, wow. if he didn't pay him 500 pounds, which would be, in today's money, 44,564 pounds. In dollars, that's $56,753. Okay, so like roughly like 50K. Yeah. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That's, I don't got that line around. <laughs> yeah. We're millennials. We don't have that type of money. <laughs> That's true. You can't blackmail people the way you used to. <laughs> That's true. Especially not if you want cash. Yeah. So um, Holmes also admitted, this is his his account of events, that right. after Brady like brandishes the severed arm at him and asks for the 500 pounds, he leaves, but he leaves the arm and then Holmes is freaked out. So he goes to the Sydney uh, suburb of Marubra. And he discards the arm in the water. So he's saying that he put the arm in the water. He didn't kill. He's like, I didn't kill him, but I threw his arm in the water. That's his story. Yeah, that's very logical, very reasonable. But now they're able to press charges for murder on Brady, right? Yeah. And the timeline of events actually from like when he said that um, Brady came to his house and everything would align with what the coroner thought how long the arm had been in the shark's belly okay so there's like so the timeline is adding up here. Mm -hmm. yeah but then it takes another turn this oh. story oh my god i can't even imagine where this is going to go from here <laughs> i mentioned that the shark throwing up would lead to two murder mysteries 
Oh my God. Okay, let's hear it. On June 11th, Holmes tells his wife that he has to go meet someone as he's leaving the house. And early the next morning, he's found dead in his car. And he has been shot three times. Okay, so clearly murder. Yeah. Even though I kept finding this, that the crime scene was made to appear that Holmes had committed suicide, but I was like, you can't do that with three shots. Yeah, but that's like some CIA level stuff, like where yeah. you know someone, like some journalist, is found dead with like a, a gunshot wound to the head, multiple gunshot wounds to the head. But they're like, oh yeah, it's you know suicide. You're yeah, like, mm, exactly. Okay, but luckily, well, lucky, unlucky. <laughs> yeah, police didn't think that it was suicide. They thought it was murder. Yes, but it it gets weird. This is, again, the second murder in this case. And Holmes had been due to give evidence at Smith's inquest, like his trial, later that morning. Okay, Mm -hmm. okay. With the key witness dead and only one arm. Right, he's going to get let go. The defense argued that this wasn't even proof that there had been a murder. They were arguing, since you haven't found the rest of the body, this person could be alive. I mean, technically speaking, correct. And so the case against Brady was deemed insufficient due to lack of evidence and was thrown out. Wow. So this dude got off on a technicality. Mm-hmm. I mean, not even technicality, just by offing someone that was going to like testify against him. But then in a final bizarre twist, the police concluded that Holmes had probably killed himself by hiring a hitman to kill him. How do they come up with this conclusion? I have no idea. Isn't that silly? I think they were arguing, okay, I do think I saw that they were arguing that like since he had attempted to die by suicide um, prior, they're like, oh, he must have done it again, but this time he hired someone else to shoot him since the first time when he tried to shoot himself, it didn't work. That was their argument. I'm not even kidding. They did not investigate further. Yeah, that's that's some good police work right there. I know. Solid. Solid. <laughs> and then after all of this, after the shark and the bigger shark and the vomit and the boat chase around Sydney Harbor, Patrick Brady walked away. And they're, they didn't find um, the remains and they never found... And they never pressed charges against anyone else. They never found the killer. I mean, there is the old saying, and basically there, his lawyer said it, like, no body, no crime. Yeah. That's something. Isn't that wild? This is, it's like one of those things, it's kind of like the OJ thing. It's like, we all know, Yeah. you know, that person did it, but yeah, they can't prove it. What do you think would have happened to the body, to the rest of the remains? Maybe he... Maybe he did put it on the trunk and maybe like it really just didn't fit or very much so he did think, oh, I'm going to use this arm as a a weapon of like intimidation, Mm -hmm. right? Truly, it very well could have been like Holmes's account was correct, right? And where do you think he disposed of the body in the trunk? Just in the ocean, just dumped it like he maybe locked it, filled it with rocks, bottom of the ocean. Damn guys, don't cross Andrew. He thought that through real quick. I mean, we just did watch the picture of Dorian Gray where he did that basically. So, oh yeah, spoilers. I mean, 
not really. The movie came out like almost 15 years ago. So in the book quite a while before yeah, that. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That makes me look like such a dunce. <laughs> no, not at all. No, I think you're right. I think it like that's if you're able to get evidence of any kind in far enough into the water, like it's, it's gone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no one's going to find that. The fact that this shark swallowed a shark, spit it up in front of an audience of people, what are the odds? I mean, the odds are astronomically low. Yeah. Like astronomically low. <laughs> Otherwise, you would think that you'd get away with it, right? Yeah, and you probably would. Mm-hmm. Well, Patrick Brady maintained his innocence on both deaths. He said he didn't kill Holmes or Smith for the next 30 years. And in the spring of 65, he dies peacefully at a hospital in Sydney at the age of 76. So officially, this remains unsolved. Yeah. Like it's a cold cold case. Yes. Even though technically Holmes's case is closed, that it was death by hit, death by suicide by hitman. Oh, right. I still think that's a, that's a cold case too, because I don't think that's accurate. Yeah. I mean... What do you think? Is Patrick Brady actually innocent? It doesn't, honestly, it doesn't sound like it. It really doesn't sound like it. I think it really could be that just kind of what we think, right? That once he found out that Holmes ratted on him, I just don't understand. Actually, this, this was bugging me. I didn't get a good understanding of why Brady would murder Smith. There was the report of him. Smith and Holmes having a fallout. Right. But obviously him and Brady and Smith were good enough that Smith is out like, oh yeah, let's go drink. Let's go play pool. I'll tell my wife I'm fishing. Maybe it's just a weird circumstance. You know what's actually funny is if everything that we've read or like the, um, that we've gone over is correct. Mm -hmm. Like what if Holmes is actually the one he lied. He's the one who killed the person he made up some bogus uh like story about how patrick brady like cut off his arm but it's really him who did it maybe he did dispose of the body he messed up on with the arm for whatever reason yeah and he's trying to frame brady yeah and then brady finds out he's trying to frame him and he has him killed Ooh, that's a really good alternative and then brady knows he he can't get in trouble for the smith murder yeah because there's no body you know what would actually be like even more wild is if Holmes did actually hire a hitman to kill him and they're telling the truth. That would be that would be that's so, so weird. Yeah. That's such a weird way to do it. Let it me hire weird. a hitman for myself. No. It's not unheard of. Yeah? It's not unheard of. That's so sad. But it's not common. Mm. Yeah. As you I can would, probably I, imagine. I would think that that's not common. Well, Sadly, like I said, we will likely never know the full story. Man, that is, again, I just want to know. We don't know how the arm got separated from the body. We don't know who killed who. And there just remains a lot of unanswered questions. I mean, the fact that we're doing this episode because a shark barfed up an arm is literally the most like History for Weirdos-esque moment I think ever. I just love the image of the shark barfing up an arm in front of like a family for some reason. And they're like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> like, oh dear. <laughs> yeah. And then they just like fall. <laughs> and again, it led to not one, but two mysteries there. 
That's true. The only thing that is certain is that the investigation into the murder of Smith and his severed arm would become legendary in Australia's legal history. Right. Strain weirdos. If you guys are listening, I want to know if you guys have heard of this before because I'm really interested. Apparently it is very well known. Um, I'll share my sources for this week really quickly. Nice. Because one of them was the Sydney Crime Museum. Ooh. This was pretty prominently featured on their website. I've been to Sydney. I haven't. Sydney, Australia. Oh my goodness. I'm also, I'm really sorry. We just lost any Australian weirdos. I know, with my just absolutely horrid accent. There is also Mental Floss, the Dictionary of Sydney.org, LocalHistories.org, and Wikipedia. Oh, excellent. This is also one of those stories that you will often see. uh, So many of the weirdos can relate to this on Reddit or history memes, things like that. You'll see like a picture of a shark. It's not the shark, but then it's like, did you know that a shark threw up a human arm that led to a murder investigation? And then apparently it was two murder investigations. Yes. The shark arm murders. The shark arm murders is exactly what this case is called. It literally is like there was a shark. There was like a human's arm and there were murders. Like literally just three words thrown together. That, shark arm murders. Yeah, that describe everything. Yeah. Also, weirdos, fun fact about sharks, they're older than trees. <gasps> Gasp. Yeah, they're like over 400 million years old. That's creepy. I, I know. Have, I have a shark tattoo. You do? Mm-hmm. I do know that. Now the weirdos know too. Now you guys know. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Steph. This was such a weird, like just wonderfully weird weirdly also cozy murder mystery oh <laughs> i don't know why it's like this is like there's nothing cozy about it maybe it's just because i'm with you oh thank you yeah crime can feel cozy sometimes it's interesting to ponder a mystery always yeah, i think it's the mystery aspect definitely okay <laughs> so weirdos you know the drill if you are listening on spotify let us know what you guys think Leave us a comment. Let us know who's at fault here. What do you guys think? Also, you know where to find us on Instagram at History for Weirdos. So if you haven't started following us, just go ahead and do that already, okay? Yeah, we share videos on there. Yes, exactly. Okay, weirdos. Until next time. Adios. Adios. Starting it. I'm starting it. That's right. Okay. Okay.